0: Alright, you ready? I'm ready.
1: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm gonna make
2: him an awful game with you.
1: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a
2: gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you
0: were not born. can Film church Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. It- Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles.
2: Um,
1: (laughs) I wasn't sure how long I could keep that going before I started laughing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. You've made it. It's the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm the alchemist. (laughs) And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. And today, I picked the film The Holy Mountain from 1973. Of course, if you want to know what we're watching and talking about next Sunday, be sure to listen to the end of the episode where Lewis is going to reveal what the film is. Here at Film Church Radio, (laughs) we talk about reaching cinematic enlightenment a lot. Um, And uh, this film is... (laughs) (laughs) It kind of encompasses that completely, I feel, maybe for the first time ever on Film Church Radio. Uh, This is our first time watching this film. And it is a lot to process. Uh, I know that there's a huge cult following out there for this film, and it means a lot to a lot of people. And if you're one of those people, please send us a message on our Spotify or our YouTube or any of our social medias out there at Film Church Radio and tell us what your experience is with this film because I'd really like to know. Um, Yeah, but we're going to get into this film more later. Uh, First we would like to say thank you to those who have been listening and have been sending us message is, especially on TikTok, man. There's lots of conversations going on on our TikTok right now. I'm like, hmm, wow. This was the place I did not expect to be engaging in a lot of film conversations. But uh, yeah, hop over to Film Church Radio's TikTok account and engage in some of these conversations going on in our comment sections. Um, It's interesting. Of course, we have all of our back episodes listening on all good podcast platforms, so please share us, give us a rating and review. We'd much appreciate it. Um, kind of got lost in what all of this stuff is that I was saying, but basically I'm just trying to say thank you for being a part of Film Church. We love that you guys are here and that you guys are listening. Um, it means a lot to us, and we love creating the show and we want to keep creating it and keep getting bigger and better and making cooler episodes and having more guests and all of that stuff. Um, so please share it (laughs) and also let us know who should be on the show. Who should we be getting to guest on the show? Um, on our Spotify right now, we just recently did a Stanley Kubrick retrospective, which was a lot of fun. There's like 13 of those episodes. And on the Eyes Wide Shut episode, there is a poll where you can let us know what your favorite Stanley Kubrick movie is. Right now, it is still a tie. We've had more votes since the last time, but it but the ties, I mean, the votes ended up still being a tie. So right now, <laughs> it's a tie between 2001 and... Uh, no, this isn't right. It's a tie between 2001, The Shining, and I think Full Metal Jacket, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Dr. Strangelove before, but not anymore. Um, so <laughs> if you have a favorite Kubrick film, please go vote on our poll on the Eyes Wide Shut episode on Spotify. Um, enough of me talking. Let's sing some praises to some movies, Lewis. This is the section where we sing praises to movies, other movies that we've been watching this week, other than the main feature that we're talking about later. Um, And then we'll get to that soon. Uh, But Lewis, what have you been watching? What do you need to praise?
0: Yeah, I'm going to praise some films very highly here, Brandon. It's been a good week. Um, I love it when I can like pull three films that i've watched that i'm like i cannot wait to talk about these and this is one of those weeks so um the first film i watched i've been reading a lot as as usual about cinema and i just read from caligari to hitler the book that details the german film industry between the wars and kind of Ah. how it shows like people's reaction to what was happening and you know hitler's rise to power i guess yeah um and Obviously, with a title like that, it dedicates a lot of its time to The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920. So I rewatched watched it. Um, it's been a few years since I watched it. Um, managed to put it back in again. And I do feel like it set me up pretty well for this film. Not in terms yeah. of, like, out-there craziness, but just in terms of the fact that the what you're seeing is very um, staged, Right. and kind of it, it's not real you know it's yeah. kind of like painted backdrops and and the German expressionism of like buildings going to a peak and things not quite looking right um but it just works you know yeah. the the film itself is a little bit more linear than this um but you just don't it, it's not like a, oh that's weird it just fits you know and it, it's yeah. such a interesting interesting film to, you know, the period that it came out of and, and what it was trying to say and, you know, the performances and everything. It's just, it's such a staple of film history. And I love going back to it and just being like, I cannot believe this was made over 100 years ago. Yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. And, so, and it's such a early point of cinema as well. It's like, yeah. it's just incredible how, you know, certain people just ran with the medium and were like, I'm just going to put this, this, no one's ever going to think about. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Um, it's an incredible piece of film art. So I obviously gave it five out of five. Yeah. It's,
1: that's this one that I've actually never watched the whole thing. Mm. And I mean, maybe we should pick it for film church at some point. Yeah. So you can really dive into uh, your love for it and yeah, what it means to cinema history and all of that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah yeah it's it's fantastic well, we'll have to watch it at some point yeah um it's really good and it when i bought the the blu-ray it uh, spawned one of my favorite um quotes from my sister i was like oh it's a german silent film and she said how do you know it's german if it's silent <laughs> which i was like i understand where you're coming from uh... <laughs> uh... Uh... <laughs> that's amazing um, the other book that I've been reading is The Five Came Back, um, which is also a documentary um, yeah. on Netflix, mm-hmm. yeah, which we've doc. talked about pretty recently. Yeah, um, you know, detailing John Ford, Frank Capra, these yeah. people that went off to war. Um, but the unlikely hero for me was George Stevens, who was a director that, like, I was aware of. Um, I'd seen you know the big films that he'd made, uh, Giant. Um, place in the Sun, I really, really love with Montgomery Cliff and Elizabeth Taylor. And Swing Time, like an early Fred Astaire kind of musical. Okay. Never really kind of delved into him as a filmmaker very much. Um, and the book talks a lot about the, like, the last film he made before he went off to document um, the war. And it was The More The Merrier from 1943. So I tracked it down and, and put it on. And it is it is really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it so it's Gene Arthur, um, and Joel McCrae and she in Washington DC, like the war's going on, and it's just so packed there that nobody can find a room and all the men are off to war, so there's not many men. So it's kind of full of like this sexual tension between everyone. And she ends up sharing an apartment with John McCrae. And okay. it's just like it's just a bit, you know, it's like a slapstick comedy kind of screwball thing. But it's just, it's really funny. It's really sweet. It's really well made. You know, the apartment has got like a very kind of um set feel to it and we go out the window and kind of come in. You know, it's um it's great. Yeah. I just had like it was just like one of those nights where you just put it on and I was like I'm having such a good time with this. Nice. Um so I am going to be watching a lot more George Stevens stuff in the future. And I recommend everyone to definitely go and check out a place in the sun. Okay, because it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sweet. So yeah, so I watched the More the Merrier from 1943, and Jean Arthur's an actress that I've never really liked that much. Yeah. Um, but I'm she's really grown on me.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, she's in you know Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm, yeah. Um, Shane. Billy Wilder's um, A Foreign Affair, Um, you know. But recently I've been like, "Mm, maybe this is someone I should pay more attention to. Yeah. I Um, need to watch Shane. I just added it to my watch list. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've heard lots about that movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, And the last one that I watched was Shooting Stars from 1928, um, another silent film. Um, This is a British production. I think it's the first film directed... By Anthony Asquith, who was a big British um, film director. Um, something that I've had on Blu-ray for a long time and just kind of dug out and was like, I've never watched this, I'm gonna give it a go. Um and it's kind of set in a British film studio, so there's a lot of like behind the scenes oh, that's cool. stuff in there, which I feel like in the silent era kind of because it was so new, there were like there's Buster Keaton shorts and Charlie Chaplin shorts that have like that are set in film studios. Right. And like kind of like behind the scenes and stuff. Um, but it's, it's a bit more noirish. Um, the, there's like a lead actress and a lead actor and they're married, but she's fallen in love with like the Charlie Chaplin-esque clown. Yeah. And there's like an affair going on and, and basically, you know, but then it's like tinged with all these things that are really going on in the British film industry. Like people are leaving to go to America and there's like mm. a big, you know, who's going to take, like, who's going to be like here to carry on the British film industry. Yeah. Um, and there's like behind the scenes stuff of, okay, this is how we film this shot, for example. Um, and it, it's just really fun. And I had a really good time with it. Again, you know, I keep saying that I had a really good time with it, but I did. It was good. I gave it four stars. Um, it's just, it, you know, it continuously makes you guess where it's going next. Yeah. Um, which I like. And to say that yeah. it was made in 1928, it zips along and um there's some really cool shots like there's at the end they're directing like a scene in a church and it looks like a full church like um with like the roof and everything and the camera kind of pans down and you realize that it's just the pews and the top is like a painted thing that's been oh cool put on for the camera perspective um lots of little things like that Whereas, like a lover of cinema you're like that's awesome yeah you know um but yeah anthony asquith is another one that i want to go back and watch a lot of um so Shooting Stars 1928. It's good. Heck yeah. Yeah. Man, the like
1: the the painting backdrops.
0: Yeah. It's such a lost art, I feel like. I know. Oh my god. It's and like, the painted movie posters. I feel like mm. as soon as the paintbrushes went away, we lost something in film. Yeah. True. Yeah. Film Church Radio Hot Take. <laughs> well, uh
1: I have been watching much different movies than you have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I watched The Cable Guy, which has been on my list for a while. Uh, that is from 1996, uh, with well, directed by Ben Stiller, um, starring Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, Leslie Mann, Jack Black, um, Andy Dick is in it. Uh, Owen Wilson is in it. This is like right after. Wow. Uh, Bottle Rocket. Rocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, what is, this? I know this movie. We did it for Film Church. Uh, yeah, this is right after Bottle Rocket. So this is like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson first working together, but it's like, you know, it's not, it's not there yet as far as yeah. like what they, the duo that they became, cause they're not in any scenes together. But, um, I gave it 3 out of 5 and it's it, it's a good movie and it and it's a good like I don't know if this is the first feature that Ben Stiller directed but it's it's got to be close to it um but it's uh man it's such a different comedy like or, or like this this era of comedy is just so of its time yeah and like Jim Carrey is uh, like obviously he's an incredible actor yeah. an incredible comedian so physical you know and mm-hmm. this is like the height of that you know I feel like his career you know as he as he went on he he didn't necessarily tone it down but like he just explored other ranges as ranges of yeah. his abilities I think yeah and this is like full-on weird Jim Carrey yeah. <laughs> in the best way. You know what yeah. I mean? It is so over the top. Um, oh, you've seen it. it. says you've seen it. I have seen it.
0: Yeah, I owned it on DVD when I was younger.
1: Oh, nice. So did you <laughs> used to love this movie?
0: I haven't watched it for such a long time. Yeah. Um, but I really went through like a Jim Carrey phase where like I wanted to watch everything he'd done um, and this was part of it. And obviously... You know, fans of the show will know that we have an affinity with Matthew Broderick for some reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> he kind of pops up in our film-watching career every now and again. Yeah. Um, so it, the sounds uh, the were there.
1: It, it was interesting to see, like, him, like, Jim Carrey in scenes with Jack Black because Jack Black is not really, like, the Jack Black we know and love yet. Yeah. He's yeah. really young in this. Um, But I wonder how much Jim Carrey kind of influenced... Jack Black's acting ability because it's Mm. it Jack Black definitely leans more in this direction of what Jim Carrey is doing here later in his career. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Jack Black's amazing. Yes, we all know this. Um, (laughs) But it was good to tick off. Like I'm a big Ben Stiller fan, and I would like to watch all of his films as a director. You know, Um, so it was good to tick it off. But probably not one I'll go back to you know yeah um i'd rather watch more zoolander or tropic thunder yeah um rewatch spider verse incredible movie we all know this uh hopefully lewis and i will be doing the sequel into the spider verse for film church radio yeah as listeners as deep fans may know uh our the longest episode we've done was on spider-man no way home <laughs> so we're big spider heads yeah. Web heads. Um, so I would, yeah. I always want to talk about Spider-Man anytime there's any spider films out. Yeah, and it's it's soon. Yeah, it's very soon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. There's it's so exciting. many good things coming out soon. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's... Uh... Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> uh, I watched a movie called... Well, I mean, it's sort of a movie. It's called K through 12. I was actually not sure if it was going to be on Letterboxd. Um, but it's Melanie Martinez. Uh, she's a pop artist. Um, and she, with her, I guess this came out in 2019, but she, she basically made an entire movie out of her album, like a music video movie. Okay. So it's got all of the songs from the album, but it turned into like a movie musical, basically. Oh, that's cool, but a little bit different, obviously, than your typical musical. Yeah, um, but it's done super, super well. Like visually, is incredible. All the songs are amazing. It's saying a lot. Like it's a very, it's a, it's an hour and a half, and it's very dense. Like obviously, every song is about like a different theme, and there's like crossovers, like a thread and stuff. Um. And it's one that I would like to watch a few more times because I feel like there's like so much being said in the film that it's uh, it's hard to catch everything the first time you watch it. But visually, it's incredible. I mean, it, like the costume and set design kind of rivals uh, Wes Anderson in some ways. Like, yeah, stunning. Um, oh, yeah. And she's a great artist. Like I like her music a lot. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. Uh, and then we watched Barry Lyndon right after that, and it was uh, kind of an interesting back-to-back watch because yeah. it was. I feel like Barry Lyndon also says a lot, but stretched over three hours, so it's a little more digestible. Yeah. Yeah. and I ended up bumping it up to five stars because, like, this Ooh. movie is this is yeah. uh,
0: such a fun movie. Like, yeah, I don't know, this is good. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of like the reaction of a lot of people. Um, like we said on the show, there's a lot of. You know, people that I've seen online that have said that Barry Lyndon is one of the favorite films ever made. Yeah, um, and I think that in pro- maybe in the next ten to fifteen years, it will start to, you know, encroach on The Shining in two thousand and one as like the greatest film he ever made. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe. I mean, Richard Linklater was talking about it recently on a in an interview I heard with him, and. Um, yeah, it's like the first time you watch it, it's like you're you you're getting the story. You're trying to figure out, okay, well where is he going next? What is he doing next? What's mm. the point of it all? And you get yeah. to the end and you're like, "Oh. Cool. You know, it, yeah. it didn't necessarily have a point. I mean, it kind of did, but like it's it's one of those movies that when you watch it like second viewings, like repeat viewings, you kind of just enjoy all the different moments. Yeah. Uh, more because you're you're not trying to figure it out. Yeah, you pay attention to the little things. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was it for me.
0: That's all. Awesome. Okay. Have you seen? Sorry that Woody Harrelson has confirmed yes. that he might be his biological. Pilot. Yes. <laughs> what the fuck?
1: I know he was. He said that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He said he's trying to get McConaughey to take a DNA test, but he's like terrified because he doesn't want to find out his dad is not his real dad. Oh my god! Isn't that fucking crazy?
0: That's insane. That's yeah, insane.
1: Like, yeah. Apparently, Harrelson was like hanging out with his mom, with Matthew McConaughey's mom, and she's like, "Yeah, I knew your dad," and like she very highly insinuated like the, the, how well she knew him. And it's like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I've read <laughs> McConaughey's book and, like, you know, I, he was like, pretty, yeah, pretty close with his dad. I mean, his dad was a tough dad, yeah, you know, a very yeah. hard dude. Uh, but like, one of the things that I really appreciated about like the relationship that he had was like, McConaughey was like, going to school to be a lawyer like going to college to be a lawyer and his dad was paying for it and Mm. and he started hanging out with film people and really getting into film and he was he like called up his dad and he was like dad i don't think i want to be a lawyer i think i want to do film and his dad was like well don't have acid i was like that's cool because like the whole time like throughout the story he's building up like how rough his dad is yeah like how yeah hardcore he is and like you kind of expect you know more of a like what the fuck kind of yeah. reaction yeah um but yeah i just thought that was really cool and his dad passed away like while he was working on dazed and confused so he like never oh. got to see like
0: oh man yeah i feel like that happens all the time
1: mm-hmm. oh. but yeah fucking insane dude like <laughs> what like if that's that true. What a what a world, yeah! What a fucking world! No wonder they got so much chemistry on screen together. Uh huh. Wild. Have you watched uh, Triangle of Sadness yet?
0: No. You should watch it. <laughs> I know Woody Harrelson's in it. Yeah, you should watch it. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, moving on. I think now it's time for our feature <gasps> oh, presentation. The Holy Mountain, 1973. A Mexican master leads a Christ figure and other disciples to a mountain of immortal wise men. The scandal of the 1973 Cannes Film Festival writer-director Alejandro Jodorowsky. I think I said that right this time. Flood of sacrilegious imagery an existential symbolism in the holy mountain is a spiritual quest for enlightenment, putting illusion against truth. The alchemist, played by Hordorowski, assembles together a group of people from all walks of life to represent the planets in the solar system. The occult adept's intention is to put his recruits through strange mystical rites and divest them... Of their worldly baggage before embarking on a trip to Lotus Island. There, they ascend the holy mountain to displace the immortal gods who secretly rule the universe. I have no idea if that's accurate or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like the reason that that is so long and convoluted is because without that, the. I don't know what you could say about this movie. It's kind of, that's the plot. That's it. That's all of yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Or is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: about to get into it.
1: Yeah. So this movie. I mean, like, it kind of rivals Pink Flamingos in my mind as like, you know, yeah, the most. The filthiest film alive, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. or you know, it just like, but it, it's obviously doing something a lot different than Pink Flamingos, in terms of uh, what it's trying to say and and express. Yeah. Um, this movie, I watched it twice. Okay. So far, and uh, as I said at the beginning of the episode, this is Lewis and I's first time watching this film, so Correct. I feel like this is a film that on repeat viewings, you'll kind of have different experiences. Um, Cause this movie, it's saying a lot. It's saying a whole, whole lot. Yeah. Um, and the first time I watched it, it kind of felt like having a bad trip. Yeah. You know, just like going to a dark place, having a bad trip and being confused by everything and uh, self-conscious about everything Um, but then on the second watch, um, I was like, well, there, the movie is kind of saying a lot of positive things. Like a lot of the quotes that I wrote down, like, um, are all very positive things. Like, you know, trying to let go of the ego, you know, trying to rid yourself of like worldly possessions and, um, Mm. you know, holding on to physical desires and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, And, uh, and then the, the, the other stuff that's in it is, is very, um, you know, the things that aren't necessarily like what you would say, this is positive. Like those things are like satirical or, or like they're, you know, they're, they're putting up a, a mirror on society and saying, look how weird our world is. You know, obviously yeah. it's an exaggerated version of it, but like it's still com It's still accurately commenting on war and sex and the workplace and yeah, the rich versus poor and you know, all of yeah. that kind of stuff. So yeah, like I said, the movie's saying a whole, whole lot. <laughs> yeah. and it's, uh, It's a lot to watch.
0: Yeah, and I I agree with that. The point about you know how much it's trying to say, and I think that the way it tells it is such a different way to what we're used to in terms of all these things are dialed up to a point where they, where in your mind they're past. They seem to want to like they seem to try to be saying more than what they're actually saying, if Mm. that makes sense. So you're constantly battling with what what is this, what is that, and then when you boil it down, you're like, oh. You know, it's like when we go in one of the planets, when you go into the workforce and he's got like, like a hundred wives that are following him around that are pregnant. And like, in your head, you're like, what is this meaning? Like, are there secret meanings behind the amount of people that are there? Like, there's grumbling. And i like, no, it's just commenting on like men's need to like have sex all the time. And like, yeah. you know, and like the people that he employ, it's like the, the director at the office chasing the secretary around the desk. You know, it's that just into a factory. Yeah. You know, so there was so much in here that I just had to be like, whatever. Like, I'm just going to let this go. And I think (laughs) that that's when it changed. Like, the first 15 minutes, I was like, okay, that's Jesus. Okay, this is like, he's covered in, like, bugs. I don't know what that means. Okay, there's a guy with no arms and no legs. Not got a clue what that means. Okay, there's some kids that have got their genitals painted green. Don't know what that means. (laughs) You know? And then at the point, I was just like... I've got to stop trying to figure this out. I've just got to watch yeah. it, let it wash over me, and then like feel like just you know check my feelings throughout the film. Yeah. You know, just my emotional level to it. Mm-hmm. And it changed the film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think watching it a second time was really good for me. Cause yeah, that that first experience. I had the same same kind of thing where I was like, oh, that's that's he's supposed to be Jesus right away yeah. because because he they put him up on like a little piece of wood and his arms are yeah. hanging off. It. This is before all the Christ uh, um, figures and stuff like yeah. the crucifixes, the mold yeah. and all that. This is before that. Um, and yeah, I was like, it's got to be Christ. Well, they, he also has like a flower in his hand and they pull it out and there's like a spot on his hand. Yeah. Like, that always makes me think of, of Christ, of the yeah. hole in the hand or whatever. Um, so yeah, my first thought in that scene was like, I was like, Oh, is this supposed to be like right after Christ was like resurrected? Mm. I thought maybe that was like the time period we were in, but it wasn't that at all. (laughs) And yeah, it was like, you can't, the first watch, you can't try to figure it out. You just kind of have to, to go through it. Um, yeah. And it made me think that like, you know, I described obviously already the film as like a bad trip or a good trip but like it 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 definitely um it's very psychedelic yeah and it, you know a lot of people like talk about psychedelic drugs um and like there's there's a lot of people these days uh that are trying to um use it as a form of therapy you know and and implement it into like like there's a lot of studies going on where people are trying to Microdose and like do things to like help people um, get through trauma or like you know uh, rewire their brains to um, basically work through trauma. Yeah. Um, and it it almost like I guess I'm thinking in this way because we just watched Stanley Kubrick's movies and I was thinking about the way that Stanley Kubrick created The Shining as a subliminal movie. Yeah. And I've been thinking about this a lot since we watched The Shining because I've, I've got more thoughts on it now. Um, but you and Zach both <laughs> said that you've seen The Shining a lot and um, now when you watch it, you've just got like a smile on your face the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if maybe Kubrick did something there subliminally to where uh, the more you watch it, it makes you smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's a, yeah, that's a whole nother episode. Maybe we could talk more about The Shining, but I've been thinking in terms of like the way that movies can do that, can, can, uh, do something psychological to you. Yeah. Um, not necessarily make you insane, but, you know, make you smile or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, it made me think of like, maybe this movie is, uh, a psychedelic like it, it like when i started looking at the movie instead of like looking at it at because i'm i mean i'm a filmmaker and and like one of the things that i've believed and said a lot in terms of like trying to work on things or critiquing movies is like it's got to be entertaining first and mm-hmm. foremost it has to be entertaining but then i watched this movie and i'm like does it <laughs> yeah it's like does it have yeah. to be entertaining am i yeah yeah my I, I mean the movie had my held my attention mm-hmm. you know the whole time so it's not like it didn't so it entertained me I guess in in terms of that but like it, it made me think of like it just made me think about film in a different way like because film can be so many different things it can be entertainment it can be art it can be expressionism but this feels like something I've never seen before like it feels like a drug. It, it feels does. like a experience, like that you, you know, you eat the mushroom and then you let your body go through it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like that on film, which I've never thought of film being able to do. I've thought of music that way. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite bands is System of a Down, and they're, they're like psychedelic rock, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but never a film and the, so it's very i don't know it's like the first first as I was watching it the first time and, and then watching and then afterwards reading about it and watching some interviews i was like man there's a lot of people who are really into this movie yeah and like the you know Hordorowski has a huge cult following like there's a lot of filmmakers that have been influenced by him you know And talk about him. And he's still alive. He's still making movies like in his 90s. He's still doing stuff. Um, He did an interview with uh, Darren Aronofsky recently. And Mm. um, Aronofsky was referring to him as the maestro. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of just rambling now. But like, Mm. um, I think that's the exciting thing to me about this film is that it made me look at film differently.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's room for everything on the spectrum in terms right. of film. And that and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about Caligari at the beginning. Is that it's not what we'd natu- like necessarily used to, but that doesn't mean that it's bad. And film as a medium is so incredible because it can be used for so many different things. Yeah. You know, it's not just it's not just one way to tell a story or to, you know, get across what you're trying to say. Um, and in terms of it being like a trip, I mean, there's, it's yeah, it's like being strapped to someone and then jumping out of a plane.
2: Mm. Yeah. You know,
0: they would like, trust me, we're going to get to the bomb. It's probably going to be scary. It's going to be like, it's going to make you feel sick. It's going to, you know, you're going to feel elated. You're going to feel excited. You know, all these things. But you've just got to kind of like trust them and jump and get to the floor. Yeah. You know, um, because there's just this, like you said, there's so much in here that when you kind of, when you feel like you're getting to a point with it, that it's it's starting to kind of, I don't know, make a little bit of sense. Something comes out of left field that just throws you off. And you're like, I have no idea now what this is about. You know, because it's really two films into one. You know, we have The Thief's Journey, up until he meets the alchemist. And then we have the alchemist kind of getting the people together and taking them on the journey to the Holy Mountain. Yeah. So, it, like, the first part feels so... It just feels so different than the second. Yeah. Um. But the imagery is just insane. I mean, when when he climbs the, the phallic building and, like, and he's running through the room that is, like, the, the rainbow, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is beautiful. Like the production design is top-notch. Yeah. I can't like I can't believe that this is not, you know, a higher budgeted film. With yeah. some of the images that they managed to pull together and some of the like there's just like there's the like there's the amount of people in this film. In mm-hmm. terms of like the extras. You know, when there's people in the factory, it's not just like a corner of it that we, you know, that it's just we're being manipulated by the camera angles. We get these long sweeping shots that are like hundreds of workers, you know, like all yeah. dressed the same, like doing the same thing. Yeah. And I'm like, this is ins- like this is an incredible production.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that the second time I watched it, I was paying more attention to just how many people were in it. And I was like, man, you got a lot of people. Like, how? Yeah. How did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> And I don't know what the budget was, but uh but John Lennon funded the movie.
0: Yeah. He, I think uh, it was it was the highest highest budgeted film from Mexico, mm. I think. Yeah. Um ever at this point. Um, but still, like compared to you know, Hollywood films and stuff like that, it's still like I think it was like one point six million. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Um but like compared to the budgets of Hollywood films that were like, what, in the 70s, like 20, 30, yeah. 40 million. Yeah. You know. It's
1: periods. still, I mean, it's it's it was still more money 50, 50 years ago, I guess, too, though. You know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, and then most of the people in the movie probably aren't getting paid. All the, the extras probably aren't oh, getting no. paid much. Yeah. Money goes a lot further in Mexico, too.
0: Um, the good thing about a film like this is you don't need a star, though. Yeah. Like it works better because I I did read, I don't know if I'm going to steal some of your No, go ahead. But but I did read that George Harrison was like potentially going to play the thief. Yeah. Um, And he kind of looks like George Harrison. He does. Yeah, (laughs) It would have been a really good role. Yeah. Um, Would have been really good to see him in that role. Um, But I think that it may have ruined it a little bit because instead of like an actor being like the main point of focus, it's the environment and the filmmaking yeah, that is exactly, the focus yeah. so uh, you know the characters are just true. like it doesn't the characters you just like i don't really really care about this journey that much i just care about the visuals and kind of what is yeah being presented to
1: me yeah because like with a with an actor that you know or a figure that you know like the whole time you would have been like where are we going next george harrison instead of like yeah How How is your character
0: growing, George? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah, part of me does wish I could see
0: what it would have looked like with George Harrison, but like... There's got to be some kind of film test somewhere of him like acting out the scene, you know, (laughs) just something. Yeah. Uh,
1: But I mean, but yeah, like you said, it it becomes... It's almost like the movie ascends itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it does in the end. Yeah, you know, where yeah, they, where they become self-aware. <laughs> yeah, I had the,
0: to rewind when I got to the end. I was like, "Wait, what? What? Like, yeah. what just happened?"
1: You know. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting watching that scene again. It's just so, like I said; it's just so much, so much going on in the movie. It's it's even it was the first time I watched it. It was hard to keep track of where we were in the yeah. st- as as far as in the story goes. But like that, the, the whole journey to the mountain was a lot more interesting the second time because you see, you get like the shots of all the, the different people um, that are in the group and then cutting to like, it's like cutting to what they're seeing. You know, yeah. it's like cutting to like the whatever's in their mind that they need to let go of or they're like shedding yeah. themselves of. It's like really interesting. But yeah, the when he was climbing up the wall, uh, that was kind of terrifying. I was like, (laughs) "Don't fall!"
0: Yeah, Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's, like I said, there's points in here that just as you're feeling comfortable, it starts to make you feel a little bit sick. Yes, like him climbing the the wall, the, the fermenting excrement, (laughs) the yeah. the the real dogfight that happens at the end. Yeah. That is very like, oh no. You know? Yeah. There's like these and it's just it's yeah, like Pink Flamingos, as you said, it's pushing you as a viewer to the extreme. Yeah. It's like, what can I handle like from this? And I think that going into it blind, as we both did, works so much better than knowing anything about it. Yeah. Because you just it, it, it you it takes you back to being a cinema goer, maybe being at a festival, and it just starting in you being like, I have no idea what this is, and just being absolutely like transported to somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, when you said the Holy Mountain, there's a German film called The Holy Mountain from nineteen twenty-six, um, co-directed and starring Lenny Reifenstahl, who was like who ended up becoming a propaganda filmmaker for the Nazis. Mm. and i feel like both of these films give you that feeling of an ease when you're watching it yeah <laughs> you, you're just oh, a little bit like oh no yeah <laughs> oh dear <laughs> um yeah i mean and there's so much nudity as well everybody's naked at yeah. every opportunity <laughs> yeah
1: there's so much nudity yeah uh, and it's not hollywood nudity either
0: no <laughs>
1: yeah just washing that butthole. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get a shot of that. Um, oh apparently, that was the reason George Harrison
0: didn't want to do it. Yeah, that. He was like, I can, "Yeah, I can't imagine." <laughs> can you imagine? Like, can you imagine like the Beatlemania? Beatles fans going to see this because George Harrison's in it, and then seeing that? Yeah, I, I can't. I yeah. cannot imagine. No, as even now. I if mean, I'd seen that, I'd been like, "Oh my god!" It,
1: it it with the amount of nudity that's in it, it's still mm-hmm. kind of funny that like pink flamingos still has more butthole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't get any more butthole than pink flamingos. <laughs> no,
0: he, he did it. He went to the top and just yeah.
1: You can't climb that
0: holy mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> holy, uh, in a different sense.
1: Uh, yeah a whistling hole. <laughs> um, the scene where he's like climbing through the tunnel, like when he yeah. first gets into the, the top of the building, I was like, where's the James Bond theme? Somebody <laughs> needs to get this together. Like it reminded yeah. me, it's just like anybody in just like a tunnel, is like James Bond. Yeah. It's like this naked <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you, Jesus! I might have to do that. Yeah, for TikTok. You should, TikTok fans out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, man. I mean, there's so many scenes. Like the, I really, I really liked the crucifix. That whole sequence where, like, well, he's like, it's still early on in the movie. He's like, got his friend, um, the small man with no arms or legs, and then the. He like meets up with the guards and they're like, drink, drink, drink. I thought maybe this movie wasn't going to have any dialogue, but then obviously as it goes on, there's a lot more. Yeah. But it goes for a while without any dialogue. Mm. And uh, yeah, and then these guys are like, drink, drink. And the guy drinks until he passes out and then the friend goes off crying. And uh, And then they start making a mold. Like they put him out like Christ. Yeah. They bring out this like pig that like some of the things in this movie, it's like when you look at them, it's like not, it's like whatever they're pulling out of the pig, it it doesn't really look that disgusting, but the yeah. way they present it looks yeah. absolutely disgusting. Yeah. There's so many things like that. Like the, the, the wart on his neck that they cut open and like blue paint comes out. Yeah. It's like so unrealistic, yeah. but somehow it's, absolutely disgusting yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah they make this christ mold out of him, and then he wakes up and there's all these molds like i (laughs) there was something about that that i i mean it's obviously saying a lot about like uh the commercialization of religion yeah and Um, how he's
0: just like thrown in with them
2: yeah
1: yeah Mm -hmm. um and then I love the part where he like he like opens something up or like pulls the blanket off or something like that. And it like the po it's like the Pope.
2: Yeah. His <laughs> little like, like bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, in a little bed, like cuddling the crucifix. And he's got like sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he doesn't have really any dialogue. He's just like Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that was probably one of my favorite bits it was just like that imagery it just got me
0: yeah i think i mean favorite bits oh dear um (laughs) i don't i think i I don't like i said i really like the the climb up the building and then the journey through to the alchemist Mm -hmm. I, i like the kind of the rainbow and the colors and everything in there um Yeah, there's. I mean, there's just so much in here that just feels like you've never seen it before.
1: Yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: Or um, that we're not supposed to see. It, I guess is not yeah. a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Um. All
1: the different. Well, there's like the whole tarot sequence, which is kind of, It's really interesting. Like tarot. I don't know. I don't know what I think about tarot. Mm. You know. It's, like, for the people that, like, are really into it, like, I don't disbelieve them. You know what I mean? It's, like, I don't... I don't... I think I don't know enough to, like, say, oh, that's false. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, would, yeah. and I know Hordarowski is, is... He's a tarot, tarot reader. Like, mm. he... Uh, he'll read people and stuff. And I think he did a tarot reading with Aronofsky in, like, one of their interviews. It was, like, right before Mother came out, which, speaking of Mother, you can kind of see, like, where Aronofsky gets his influences from. Yeah. Like, you can see that he, he got influences from um. But one of the the sequences that really... I don't know, made me laugh. Well, there's obviously several. Um, which one is it? Uh, Berg. Berg of Uranus. My name is Berg. I'm from Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> like that whole sequence was like It's it's weird cuz the movie it, the movie is uh like we said it's saying a lot, it's doing a lot, uh, yeah. but it's also trying to be funny.
0: Yeah, it is. Time, there's a, you know? Yeah, there's points in there. I mean, I did laugh a few times at certain things, and you know, it's kind of it. it things are presented in this ridiculous fashion. I think to get that reaction, you know, it's like John Ward. It's like everything is, is just is dialed up to the point where you can't help but laugh at it. Yeah, because it feels so different to what we're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's things in here that that feel exactly the same way. Like yeah. I mentioned with the with the fermenting shit, it's like, it happens and you're like, oh, that's gross. And then you watch it happen and you're just like, this is insane. <laughs> like, I, I can't help but like, smile at how ridiculous this is that he's in like this big kind of siphon yeah, while they're just like boiling his crap down to like coal I mean, and he's just inhaling the fumes. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure what that was all about. <laughs> That's a sequence I'm like, what does this mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I could try. It's probably going to be wrong. I'm not going to try and, like, you know, take Accurately. a stab. Yeah, I just, I was like, okay, this is the visuals that we're going for. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. There's,
1: like, one sequence uh, where they're, like, making more toys for children. Or just like war toys. I I don't know. There was one where she said that she made them for children. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the lines was just like, <laughs> she was like, "We, we manufacture hypersexed brown native vampires."
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, "Bro, what?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there's like all the, the different weaponry. There's like one where there's like all the different weaponry that are instruments like the guitar gun and like that stuff. But then there's also like the, um, the gun for different religions. Like there's the yeah. Jewish gun and there's like a Buddhist and there's a Christian one. It's like the yeah. crucifix with like the gun on it. I really liked that stuff. Cause it was like, cause it's like, it, it, to me it feels like warfare and religion and like, well, I guess people can, people can take anything too far, you know? And sometimes they take religion too far. Sometimes they take, um, war, warfare too far, you know, war becomes a religion or like weapons become their religion. They take those too far. And it feels like, accurate to the way that i see like people who are obsessed with guns or something you know yeah. yeah it's like yeah i mean a gun is a tool you know it's like but like are you really gonna like caress it and like sleep with mm-hmm. it and like all the conversations you have are just about it and like yeah. that's all you've got in your life is your gun or yeah. your guns you know you need to watch blue steel yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, like, I, I think, I don't know, man, it's like, this was a really great watch. I don't know how soon I'll go back to it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm exactly the same as you. I think that the experience I had while watching it was unlike anything that any other film that I've I've kind of gone through recently. Yeah. But on the same token... I'm like, I don't know if I enjoyed it. Exactly. Yeah. Like I can, and like I know a lot of people just love this movie, and that's fine. But I'm like, I just don't. For me, and I've said this before on the show, a five star film is a film that I could put on any time and watch it through. Yeah, yeah. And be like, cool. This is not that. I, I don't think. I think it would take a lot for me to be like, okay, I'm gonna watch The Holy Mountain again. Yeah. Because I've experienced it and I'm like, cool, you know, I've, you know, I've come out the other side and been like, wow, that's insanely beautiful and different and like, unlike anything I've ever seen before, but I'm not ready to take that trip again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and it's like, it's, but it's also like that with a psychedelic drug. It's like, you're not gonna, it's not something you can just take and then go to work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah you know you've got to be ready to have an experience and to uh work on some inner demons mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah um and then obviously the last like few lines of the film are uh, he gathers you know the the planets around the table you think that he's going to be the alchemist is going to um deliver like the final words of wisdom and he's like this is not reality this is a film and then he talks to the camera he's like zoom back and we zoom back and see, like, the whole crew. And he's like, okay, we've got to go back to real life now. Yeah. And it's like, oh. oh, okay, you know. But, I mean, again, like, after our conversation, is that a comment on religion?
1: I think it's, uh, well, maybe. But I think I think it mostly probably has to do with um, the fact that the filmmakers, I mean, Hodorowsky, like, obviously directed it. He did a lot of stuff. He's in the movie. He plays the alchemist. You know, yeah. he, he's wearing a lot of different hats in the movie. Um,
0: big hats.
2: Yeah. Big hats, yes. <laughs>
1: uh, and big shoes. And sometimes <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> um, but, like, I think, you know, make the process of making the movie was, like, their own spiritual journey. Yeah. And that was just how it ended. I mean, they him and his wife spent an entire week without sleep before making the film as well. Yeah. Which, which also was a part of like, yeah, it's just a part of the spiritual journey that they decided to undergo in making this film. And I don't know how much influence John Lennon had on their process, but I'm, I'm sure like this was, uh, something where hordorowski just had a lot more freedom to go on that journey yeah to let the film become whatever it needed to become you know i don't know how yeah. much was on the page beforehand you know
0: yeah because i know that he took like the the main like the the people who played the planets and kind of didn't he'd live with them for like a week or like they went camping for a week or something before they started shooting yeah I think, just to yeah, like really yeah like get to know each other and it did it did have that vibe of like A the when you're sleep deprived everything has this like heightened sense of like everything just feels heightened. You know, yeah. there's things are larger than life. It just seems a bit weird. Um and then there's also that feeling of them really trusting each other. Mm. You know, to be an an actor in this film you need to really trust what he's doing. Yeah. And be like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And you know, you feel that from every person in it. Yeah. Um, so.
1: Yeah, he's a very interesting filmmaker. I mean, uh, like, yeah. you know, it, it, he's still someone that's very new to my radar, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I've, you know, only briefly looked up him and, you know, his work and other things mm. he's done. But he seems like, like, kind of like a spiritual healer kind of person. Yeah. Like, yeah. people the people that gravitate towards him he really helps get through things mm-hmm. like he, he you know does tarot but he also does like I, I don't even know how to describe it other like spiritual healing things yeah um one of his films that he came out with recently i got to look it up uh it's like the mystical psychomagic a healing mm-hmm. art and it's like it follows him around as he's like wow performing these like spiritual healing things oh that's cool um and that was a movie that uh alamo draft house put out during the pandemic as a part of their um nice you know alamo yeah at home or whatever yeah um they they did a whole thing with that so it's one that i'm probably going to check out it looks really interesting i would like to check out um his other work as well. El to- El Topo is also one that a lot of people talk about, and the one that he made before this. I have heard I think, of that before. I think John Lennon saw yeah. it, and that was when he was like, wanted to meet him and fund his next movie. But mm. yeah, mm. there's so much in this movie that we could talk about, as far as imagery and meanings and yeah. But yeah, I think I think we probably. Gone as far as we can go with it for now. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Um, Do you want to guess what we rated it on Letterboxd? I
0: definitely do. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say you rated it three and a half. All right.
1: Uh, If you think that I rated it three and a (laughs) half, I'm going to say that you rated it three. You are correct. Ha ha! I, I did rate it. Cheated three. a little bit.
2: <laughs>
1: Use psycho magic on you. <laughs>
2: what
0: did you? What did you rate it?
1: I think this movie's out of four. Okay, cool. I have a lot of respect for this movie right now. Yeah. Um. Because, like I said, I think just because, mainly because I've never seen anything like it, and it made me look at film differently and I think it yeah it takes a real genius
0: film to do that yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um like you said I think you know I was swept up in it and I did like go along for the trip but I came out of it feeling a bit nauseated yeah so
1: it happens Yeah. (laughs) yeah um But also, again, listeners, like, I would love to have some conversations about this film. And, uh, like, what's the next Khodorovsky film that we should watch?
0: Yeah. Is this a bad place to start? Is this the best place to start? Should we have been, like, you know, dunked in a little bit before jumping headlong? (laughs) I don't
1: don't think, I feel like it was a good place to start. I feel like, you know,
0: it's. And if it's not a good place to start, it'll be a good place to go back to.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I am dying to know what we're watching next week. What are we watching?
0: So am I, because I have not made a decision. But I've been thinking a lot recently, and I think the Point Break episode that we did was a lot of fun. Yeah. Because I think it was a film that we both would not have picked. Yeah. So I'm going to do the same thing again, Brandon. I'm going to have you pick a year, and then the first film on that list that I have not seen – is going to be next week's show.
1: Hmm, so many years to choose from. (laughs) What about 1845? (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be looking at a photograph. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I don't know. 1945.
0: Ooh. (laughs) 1945. Here we go. We are going to be watching Rome Open City, directed by Roberto Rossellini. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. He's a good filmmaker. He is. Yeah. Um, it was, it's the second most popular film of 1945. Oh, nice. And I haven't seen it. So next week, we'll be talking about Rome Open City from 1945.
1: Heck yeah. Alright, well that'll be next week everyone um, And I guess It's the end of the show no! Say it so um, But We are around Other places Like Twitter and Instagram and TikTok There's conversations going on <laughs> uh, So, So go find us Uh, send us a message at film church radio and all the social media channels, or you can find us individually on our letterboxed accounts. I am at Selman scope and Lewis is at Walker Lewis three zero zero seven. And there you can see what we've been watching on a daily basis. And it's fun. You can also comment on our reviews. Yeah. Again, thank you for being here and we hope to see you next Sunday for more film church radio. The only thing left to say is, We began in a fairy tale, and we came to life. But is this life reality? No. It is a film church.
0: This is a speaker. We are images, dreams, podcasts. We must not stay here. Prisoners, we shall break the illusion. This is Maya. Goodbye to the holy mountain. Real life awaits us. Amen. Amen. (laughs)